welcome to the Equipus Church Surrey podcast. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How we doing? You came out. You thought church is going to be better than the women's European soccer final. I'll tell you the score. England will win. Germany will lose. And uh, Jesus is Lord. (laughs) Grab your seat. Don't take it anywhere. Um, You know, this movement uh, comes through leadership. And uh, you're here because there's a group of people um, and a couple that are really, really dedicated to a global move of God. And uh, that's Pastor Sam and Kathy Monk. And we honor them. As, uh, as the global leaders of Equippers, and we honor our local leaders here as well, um, Mark and uh, Monica, and we thank God for them because I love how God brings people together and uh, to change the world. You're not, you're not an island. You're, you're there to be connected to people. God created us for connection. He created us to be fruitful, to multiply to replenish, subdue, and have dominion. And the devil's plan is to divide. God's plan is to unite. And around the world right now, there is a, uh, you know, a whole heap of things happening that tries to divide families, tries to divide relationships, tries to divide churches. But I, I love that we're in a church that is so united that wants to see the world impact from India to Istanbul. You're not even there yet, right? But that'll be good going there. Ravi wants to plant a church in Monaco. (laughs) But first he has to get his wife a new car. Uh, (laughs) Raj, you need to help me on that, yeah. Sort it out, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's done. Are we in agreement? We're in agreement, okay. Next week? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) But that's very, very cool. How you doing? Look at you. Oh, good-looking people. <laughs> Particularly the Brazilians. Look at that. Look at your. Look at your smile. You, you light up a room just with your smile. It's, and God's going to cause you to light up a city. And. Um, <laughs> yep. Certainly. I want to speak to you on the topic tonight. Um, this is my seventh session. Thank you, Mark um, <laughs> and Sam. Appreciate it. Like, if I, anything I say tonight, if it makes no sense, it's their fault. <laughs> but if it's powerful, it's Jesus's fault. <laughs> uh, by the way, the, the scripture people, I've changed my sermon. So anyway... But you had, a, you had this scripture this morning, so we'll continue on that. Philippians chapter 2 says, If there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ. Does anyone belong to Christ? Yeah. Any comfort from His love? Anyone experience His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Anyone encountered the Spirit of God? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Something like... Uh, 
by the end of the meeting you will be. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others better than yourself. Tonight I want to speak to you on the topic, godly ambition versus selfish ambition. Ambition is not a bad thing. It's a, it's a God-given uh, trait to have ambition or to dream. There's, uh, God is a dreamer. He, he created us. He, you are a dream that he brought into existence. So there is nothing wrong with a, having a dream, nothing wrong with wanting to do things in your life, nothing wrong with uh, wanting to help people, nothing wrong to build big businesses and, and ministries and, and families. And There's nothing wrong with having ambition. But when it becomes selfish ambition instead of godly ambition, that's when it becomes wrong. You know, the God of the West is fame. God never created you to chase fame. He created you to chase Him. And so we need to be people who live lives with godly ambition. In, in the Message Bible in Matthew 6, sorry for the words, people, it says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out, FOMO. You'll find all you need every day, humans' concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. He's moving in power. That song better not come into my sleep. Uh, trying to sleep. Right anyway, where, who wrote that song? It's a great song. It is an amazing song, but it better not wreck my sleep tonight. Good. Because I will come looking for your son in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a rock star. Really did. I wanted to be a rock star. Um, I used to practice guitar six hours a day. And you know, <laughs> uh, impressed. And, uh, you know, I, I, or I wanted to be a sporting star because I was good at sport. Um, Sam is really good at sport, actually. Um, I'm better than him, so, uh, but I'm not going to say that I am great. I'm just saying I'm better than him. Uh, some of you are going, what? I thought this is on humility. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, it says this, God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what you may or might not have tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. In the NLT version of this is a seek the kingdom of God above all else. Everyone say all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's pretty cool. You know in, in Genesis there is Eve there and there's Adam right and and the Bible says now the serpent was more cunning it, uh, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall touch it, lest you die. Then the servant said to the woman, You surely will not die. See, the devil loves taking partial truth and make it sound like it's true. For God knows that in that day you eat of your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So here's this garden. It's got everything they want. It is an awesome garden. The only thing they get asked of, only request of God is, don't eat of that tree. But Satan tries to lure them to take of something that was never theirs. In other words, they became ambitious for something they should never have been ambitious for. Hmm. Bible says, and it was pleasant for their eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She also took of this fruit and ate and she gave it to her husband with her and he ate. So here we have what we call the original sin and the original sin is totally based on ambition. Selfish ambition. You'll be like God. Why can't you have that? You, you, you know, you can eat anything else, but why can't you have that? Don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to be like Him? Don't you want to be important? Don't you want to... And so what happens is, the lure of ambition takes them out of their call. Hmm. Ambition usually progresses like this, through the following stages. When you're a kid, I just want to be like my dad if you're a guy. Then, I want to be famous. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a millionaire or a billionaire. I want to make enough money. Then it goes to pay the bills. Then it goes to, to hang on long enough to draw a pension. The ambition changes along the way. <laughs> See, people go, I just want to do this and I want to do that. I want to do that. I've discovered this. When you seek God first, He will look after you. My dad was always a chaser after God. And uh, he went as a missionary to Papua New Guinea. At 40, he came back with zero, nothing, nada, nothing. Had no pension, had no future, had nothing. Everything seemed to fall over. But he, he gave his life to God to say, here's everything you have. 40 years of age, he then comes back and takes over a church that has 150 people in it, and it grows to 100 Things aren't going too good. My mum is sick. She has bad mental illness and depression. But her, he has a choice whether to continue to pursue God and have godly ambition or to get caught up with selfish ambition. So he decides to pursue God with godly ambition. And in a very short period of time, my mum gets healed. In a very short period of time, the church goes from 100 people to 1,000 people. And then it grows from 1,000 people to 5,000 people. And out of that church, it comes 25,000 indirectly or directly church plants. At, so he's doing all right. He, he becomes the leader of the movement of Australia. That, by the way, music like Planet Shakers and Hillsong come out of. That has touched the world. And so he's there, and when he took over the... the Denomination had 80 churches, and within uh, 20 years it had 1,200 churches. There was one stage 
it was planting a church every second week in Australia. At 65, he, he decides to uh, hand the church to my brother and he has godly ambition to get into parliament and so he starts a political party and he gets in to become a senator. In the upper house, I don't know what you call it. The, what do you call it here? In parliament. Yeah, but you have two. You have lords and then... Yeah, he was probably in the house of lords because Jesus is lord. So he wants to hang out with him. Um, it's not a commoner like you. Uh, that joke. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. Anyway, he gets in and he has the balance of power. His vote, because there's two parties, and, but his is an independent party. He has the balance of power for every major decision that was going to be made. So he held back some of this left agenda that was happening right in that time. He stays there till he's 75. My mum dies. And he remarries, and he's now 87. He's on a pension. He earns more money at the end of his life than he did when he was 45. He has no debts. He has property. And now we've just put him into a nursing home, which is at the bottom of the apartment block that he used to, that he has. Um, in, he lived in level 13, and the, the nursing home's at the bottom. And so... There he is at 87 years of age, who his whole life pursued God, but not just financial provision has he had, not just um, influence provision has he had. He has an Order of Australia, which means that, that they, uh, he's been uh, recognised for the work he has done from the Queen. And so he uh, <laughs> yeah, was still in the Commonwealth. And we're winning the Commonwealth Games, humbly speaking, that is. The convicts are doing okay. Um, New Zealand per head of population at the Commonwealth Games is probably up there as the best. But who counts like that? <laughs> and then India, the, the largest nation in the Commonwealth, per head of population, are horrible. Good at cricket, but anyway. <laughs> so, but what has he had? He had a good marriage. What, what has he had? He's had peace and joy. What has he had? He's had some challenges, but he had God taking him through those challenges. In other words, out of godly ambition, God looked after him financially, emotionally, spiritually, in, and in his relationships. I can take you to people that have ambition, but it hasn't been godly ambition, and they're almost, and some of them are church people that try to become a famous this or a celebrity that. And, and trust me, I've preached with the who's who and the Christian zoo, so I know all the, all the celebrity preachers. I have their phone numbers. You want to ring them now? No, I'm joking. <laughs> but the truth is, the truth is, in, even as Christians, we can get into selfish ambition. When I went and planted a church in Melbourne, it was the fastest, and it is the fastest growing church in Australian history. And I remember one day, and I was comparing what God was doing, and I was like, oh, yeah, 
God, you're so good. And then I started looking at, I got into a comparison mode of looking at other people. And, and I started going there in my head and the Holy Spirit says, don't you dare. And I said, what do you mean? I acted dumb. I hid in my fig leaves and, um, <laughs> you know, Adam and Eve are dumb, honestly. How, you, how do you play hide and seek with God? Well, God's coming, let's hide. <laughs> Hope he doesn't see us. <laughs> God comes. God's got a great sense of humor. That's where the British side comes out of him. <laughs> and he's like, Adam, where are you? As if he doesn't know. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. So he knows everything. He's all powerful and he's everywhere. Where are you? Why am I getting warmer? <laughs> oh, oh, myself, you're there. <laughs> well, he couldn't say, oh, my God, because he is God. So, oh, my. <laughs> oh myself <laughs> see when you stand and I stand before God everything we, we do and have done will be tested I have I remember this um, uh, developer who joined our church and and he, he, I remember one day I went with him and he had five different phones. And I'm like, that's a bit weird anyway. Um, and, you know, we went into his garage and he had a Ferrari, he had a Lamborghini, he had a, all this stuff. And, um, and, and his wife had a good car too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was there and, and I said to him, because most people went to see him because he had money. And I went and saw him and he's there and he's thinking I'm going to ask him to help with something. And I said, how can I help you? He goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't want your money. He looks at me, he goes, that's weird. I said, I want your family. He goes, no one's ever said that to me. I said, you're not my provider. Why would I worry about you providing for me? I don't need your deal. I've got God. He's my provider. And this guy went, Wow, I've never seen anyone talk like that. I just believe that anyone who comes to church should come all the same. I don't think I should have special seats for the people who have more money or the people who are more famous. Or I understand that people um, got to protect people and stuff like that. I remember we had this famous uh, Australian band in our church, and um, and we're at our conference, and they're in the, the thing, and at the end at you know, we had a pastor's lounge, and they turned up to the pastor's lounge, and, and they tried to get in, and I said, you're not a pastor, so why do you want to come in here? And they're like, well, everywhere we go, we get in lounges. I said, not here, you don't. Because <laughs> we live in a world that we, we look at success in, in the wrong way. So Noah, think about Noah, there's Noah. And God says, build an ark. So he's like, come join the church. It's called Noah's church. 
Oh, it's called Ark Church, actually. We might start a movement called Ark. Um, all the pastors will get that joke. No one else will. Anyway. And he's building, and no one's joining his church. No one's joining. So we, in our modern thinking, we would never invite Noah to preach at Planet Shakers Conference. Because he's got only his family in his church. But when the rains come, Noah became the second greatest leader the world's ever seen. Jesus is the first because he saved our soul. But without Noah, there's no one to save. And guess what? After the flood, he had the biggest church on earth. That's a thought. See, what, what you need to do when we're talking about ambition is inspect your ambition. Identify what motivates you. Inspect your heart will help you move closer to the understanding of the motivation to pursue your goals and dreams. You need to ask questions of like this. How do your ambitions allow you to serve God, others, and bring you joy? How does the ambition you have and I have Allow you to serve God, others, and bring you joy. See, we need to not only ask, but we need to align our ambition. Pray that God would stir your desires to live according to His will for you. Hmm. And ask another question. How can I take up my cross daily as I pursue a career, a job, a, a, a business, or an education? So you need to ask that. How can I take up my cross? How can I serve God through what I'm doing? And pursue your ambition. Be the best you can be at your career, education, and personal life. And as first and foremost, as a disciple of Jesus, do it all for God's glory and honor. I've got a guy in my church, and we've got a lot of people like this. I've got a guy in my church. He, God spoke to me one day, because in the music, Christian music world, if you want to be impact the world, you usually have to go to Nashville and be a part of that because America is like the holy grail of praise and worship that touches the world, right? And many times, sadly, it's become an industry, not a ministry. And I remember one day God spoke to me and he says, if you look after Asia, I'll look after Melbourne. In other words, don't make America your goal. Go where I called you. Because if I'm living under selfish ambition, it doesn't mean we didn't go to America, it just means we didn't make it our goal. If I'm living under self, I've got to be there, I've got to be hanging out with the right people, the right crew, it's all about the connections. And there's some truth to that, but it doesn't mean it's godly truth. Because my Bible says he opens the way. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So we decided to look after Asia. We'd do a conference in Malaysia every year. Every year in Malaysia, and it costs us money. But what happened is all these students started coming in from Malaysia and Singapore, and, and, uh, and we looked after them when they were in Melbourne, and many of them would become permanent residents. And right now we, we have at least 5,000 international students in our church, and many of them now fund the vision of the church. One of them was an 18-year-old guy came from, and his, and his girlfriend actually came from Malaysia to study in Melbourne. 
and they came into the church and they got planted and they just, and I, I talked about how we could build and beautify cities and bring the kingdom of God and bring change and all this stuff and, and uh, he's sitting there, he gets involved in church. He, by the way, Malaysia, his dad was in government um, and, and so, you know, he's now in, a, in our church and God's giving him vision. His wife's an architect. He does a business degree and eventually at the age of 25, they decided to start a business. Um, or he got a job actually at 24, working for someone else. And then at 25, he starts a business. By the way, in the year, at the age of 24, he's married and his wife's got a job. And he decides that the first year of his life of working, he's going to give his first fruits, which is his whole year's wage. Because he has godly ambition. 25, he starts a business, it's a development business, and they start building buildings. The first building he built, they'd never done buildings before, development before, property before. They built this high-rise, and they had a God idea to put a dog park in this high-rise. And uh, so Kathy could live there, because um, she likes dogs now. And, um, and no one had ever done it in Australia, and they won an award called the Game Changer of the Year Award. First building ever did. Sold every apartment. I think there were 300 apartments. Then he got another development and got another development and got another development. By the way, at the opening of every development, I would go there and he would get up and there'd be all these dignitaries and there'd be the Malaysian consulate would be there and, and, and all these things. And we're talking millions and hundreds of millions of dollars um, of, of stuff. And, and he'd get up and he'd honour people and thank people and, get, and he would say, there's two people I want to thank. And he's my mentor in development. And he talked about him and he says, and then my pastor. Because it's under his vision that I got a vision to change the world. Right now, he's building the largest twin towers in the southern hemisphere. $2.7 billion development. He's 35. And I, I just heard him do a, 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 a business thing and he said this to business people. He said, you want to be successful? He goes, you've got to have godly ambition. And he said... You need to give radically, you need to serve radically, and you need to submit radically. And he, and he said, sometimes we think we know more than the people we're under. And you know, one of his jobs, by the way, was to, when we have conferences, is to drive people, just like Ravi did. In dry, and he was about to do a big development that he need, needed to sell uh, 600 uh, no, 450, sorry, uh, apartments. And conference was on one week, and then two weeks later they were launching this property, and they had to go to Asia and train all the people. And he was asked to drive uh, a car. And I, I would have said to him, if I'd known that he was about to launch, I would have said, you, you don't need to launch, you're fine. But he, what he does with his business is he shuts his business down when conference is on and brings all his staff to conference. And he serves. And he said, it didn't make sense for us to close the business down because we had to develop all these salespeople. He said, so we just sent videos overseas and all that. Anyway, long story short, 
they sold 300 apartments in three days. Because God said, you look after my business, I'll look after yours. But by the way, we're right now in the economy in Australia is nervous because of inflation and all this. And he still decided to launch this property that 2.7 billion, um, Four Seasons are in the property. Um, Pompadour, which is a big art gallery in France, are a part of the property. It is phenomenal what is happening. Um, but he, he, got, he was nervous. He had people around him, his investors were nervous. I, I don't know, we get sales. We get sales in the first day of sales. They did $400 million of sales in the first day. Then the investors go, slow down the sales because we're having to pay commissions. They're too high. <laughs> Why? Because he's got godly ambition. <laughs> I wanna, is your ambition all about you? Is it about you or is it about your purpose serving Jesus? For the Bible says, James 3, 6, 16, it says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, you'll find disorder and every evil practice. In other words, you'll cut the lines and you'll short-circuit some things and you'll, and you'll go over. Instead of living in the parameters of righteousness and, and holiness, you'll do short-cut things because you have selfish ambition. <laughs> One significant indication of godly ambition is where it falls on the spectrum between selfishness and selflessness. Are you working hard because you want to help other people or are you working hard because you want to make yourself look good? <laughs> I'm asking some strong questions, aren't I? And they're pointed at me too because pastoring a big church and a big movement, you know, we have 4 million followers on social media and uh, I could get, at times, we've got to be careful that my ambition is about making Jesus famous. <laughs> See, selfish ambition is self-serving. You're only going to act based on how it furthers your agenda. This leads to cutting corners and burning bridges because the end goal is always to suit yourself. Well, selfish ambition isn't godly ambition because it doesn't serve God. It's not always that obvious when our ambitions are selfish. No one wants to believe they are conceited, but we are all probably more self-serving than we'd like to believe. So every time you, you are overcome with ambition, ask yourself, is this serving someone else or just me? Secondly, you go, I thought we had about five points already, but no, no, that was just the intro. <laughs> Does your ambition allow you to serve God? Does your ambition allow you to serve God? Does your ambition allow you to serve His house? <laughs> it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was known, Romans 5.12. We can serve others and still not be serving God. There are plenty of good causes and best intentions out there, but following Christ means listening to what God wants for us in every season of our life. We can selflessly put in extra hours at the office to help out a co-worker, but if that comes at the expense of our family or our, of our faith, it's probably not in God's will. I have a guy in my, who grew up in my church, 
and he was good. He, he was an accountant, he, and he, he was entrepreneurial, and he got this dream job, like dream job. He would make so much money in two years, that was going to be just phenomenal for his future. He had a family, young family, and he come and saw, see me, and he goes, I, I got this dream job, it's in China, and uh, I, I'm asking God, should I go? What do you think? Well, I never tell people what they should do. I want them to hear from God themselves. But I will ask them questions. What church are you going to go to? Because my Bible says those who planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. In your family, in your finance, in your emotions, in just more than one area. You know, some of the most unhappiest people on planet Earth are some of the most people who have resources but they have horrible families and break down here and break down there. That doesn't, money doesn't make you happy. It just makes you want more. To try to make you happy and you want more to make you happy. There's nothing wrong with money, but money sh- you should never serve money. Money should serve you. <laughs> so I said to him, he goes, yeah, but the opportunity is so great. I said, but will it cost you anything in your family? Oh, you know, I'll make sure. We'll find a church. I said, well, what churches are there in China, number one? I knew the answer. There's the underground church and then there's the state church. (laughs) And they're not going to get much out of the state church. And he said, I said, but do what you feel. He goes, I really feel this will set me up and then I can come back and start a business uh, in this area that will help the church in its future. Because it, it's like, yeah, the tree is, will give you the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> he went, he came back. He went with a wife and a kid and he came back with a broken marriage that was never repaired. Came back with money but the money went nowhere. Why? He's a good guy, but he let selfish ambition overtake godly ambition. Just like everyone else, it takes prayer, reading scripture and listening to others to determine the right direction for your godly ambitions. There may even be seasons when God wants you to be less ambitious overall. Perhaps he's building you patience and obedience for something in the future. Overall, it's crucial that we ask ourselves whether or not our ambitions are serving God. When in doubt, slow down and be sure to get validation from God. Ambitiously pursue Him and the rest starts to take care of itself. Number three, is there any room for some humility in your ambition? Hmm. Philippians 2 says, do not do... But nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking out to your own interests only, but each of the, your interests of others. See, ambitious can help us get ahead in life. It can accelerate our careers and build influence. It can also develop big egos and delusions of grandeur. Even godly ambition can go sour if we don't have the right attitude about the results. So stay humble. <laughs> 
If your ambition has squashed all the sense of humility in you, it's likely gone off the rails. You may be highly successful, but no level of accomplishment justifies mistreating others or thinking too highly of themselves. Remember that none of us are above God. Take a look at your attitude towards your ambition. Do you still have a healthy level of humility or have you become too self-absorbed? That is a good indication whether or not you're obeying God because godly ambition does not have an abundance of arrogance or ego. (laughs) Wow, this is pretty strong, eh? But it'll help you. Does your ambition bring you joy? Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. You see, the end goal of ambition and work is not for our satisfaction. However, that does mean, doesn't mean that any of it shouldn't be joyless or hate what we do. God is not only concerned with our happiness, but neither does He want us to suffer throughout our life. So if, you, if the work you're doing brings you nothing but misery, perhaps it's time to step Stop and question if it's where God wants you to be. So you can go through challenges but still have joy. Everyone goes through seasons of unrest or uncertainty, but there should be something about your work that brings you joy. What do you enjoy about what you do? How can you find more joy in in the less exciting things? If you're having trouble finding motivation, remember to focus on serving God and reading the scriptures about work to see what God has to say. If you don't like what you do, odds are you won't do it well. Shall I keep going? What is the motivation behind your ambition? Ultimately, we need to ask ourselves, what are the underlying motivation behind what we are doing? Why do you work hard? What drives you? What pushes you to keep going? You know, the answer to these can be quite, questions can be quite complex. (laughs) Someone just thought, could you be funny again? It was better when you're funny. Um, (laughs) But hopefully, God is involved in this somewhere. Plenty of things can motivate us, providing for our family, gaining influence, helping others, being proud of what you've accomplished. Our internal, uh, sorry, our internal, where did this go? iPad, somebody made it go there just then. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. La, 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 Mary had a little lamb, little lamb. Okay, all right. Our internal motivations reveal a great deal about our ambitions. They are the why behind the what. They're the driving force that fuels our ambitions. They're also a great way to gauge whether or not you have a godly ambition. What motivates you? What keeps you hustling? What God factors are into the equation? Your motivations are an indication of your priorities. Take some time to inspect what inspires you. Listen them out. Do you think these are healthy? Are they moving you toward God or away from God? When appropriately used, godly ambition is an awesome thing. The opposite is true too. So we need to get a handle on our ambitions to figure out where God wants you to be. Don't worry, I haven't got any more points. See, I just believe we're called to change the world. When God created you, he created you with a solution in mind. 
He created you with an invention in mind. He created you to answer life's problems for someone else or some situation for something else. You see, God is a dreaming God. He has a dream. When he created you, the Bible says he, he predestined you. That word predestined is where you get the concept of thesis. He pre-thesis you. In other words, he wrote the plans he had for you before you were even born. Our job is to be so in love with him and connected with him that we hear what he has for our lives and we walk it out with godly ambition. But when we become selfish in our ambition, what happens is we get distracted and follow ways that God never created us to be. See, how, how do I, they ask university students, what is the one question you'd ask God? If you had one question, what it would be? And you'd think maybe the number one question would be, God, why is there suffering? But that wasn't the number one question. Another one question, another question might have been, why, uh, why do you allow, you know, Families to break up. Why, why, do, why is there war? No, that wasn't the number one question. The number one question, the number, number one question could have been, are you real? That wasn't the number one question. The number one question, if you add up all the questions, the number one question was 75% of the questions. All the other questions put together mean 25%. The number one question was, what is my purpose? Now, this is called an iPhone. It's better than Samsung. <laughs> Although my wife is named Sam and she sings. It's not better than her, but, you know. It has an inventor, and it has an inventor that created a manual so you and I can discover the functions of how this works. So we discover how this works, how the camera works, how you do emails, all that, put apps on there, by going to the instructions created by the Creator. When God created you, He created you with instructions. It's called His Word. And when, so if we really want to know our purpose, it comes by knowing Him and knowing His instructions. And then when we do that, we start living according to His ways, not our ways. As I said, ambition's not a bad thing because God created you to dream. But the dream must be connected to him and be connected to the helping of others. And God wants to bless you so you can bless others. He never created you to be a reservoir. Keep to yourself. He created you to be a river so blessing could flow through you. And when God is the number one person that you are uh, totally in love with and totally consumed with, guess what happens? Everything gets blessed. Everything. See, I hear people say, well, God's first in my life, my family's second, my career's third, my hobbies are fourth. God, it's not hierarchical. It's like a circle. God's in the middle of the circle, so if he's first, he's first in my family. So my family are going to, sit, uh, going to follow God. They're going to be part of a church. They're going to get planted in the house of God because God's priority is my family to be planted. If he's first, he's first in my finance. That means he's going to get the first of my finance. That means I'm going to put him first in everything I do connected with my finance. He's the first in my career. Okay, he's going to be the first in my career. He's going to be the reason I have a career. 
you can play to make me sound better. Oh, that's lovely. So my challenge to all of us is, it's good to have ambition. It's good to have dreams. But what are the dreams for? I hear people say, I'm a self-made man. You are not. <laughs> well, I, I, I had nothing and I made something out of myself. You didn't make something out of yourself. God made something out of you. Because without God, you don't have a brain to think. Without God, you don't have hands to use. Without God, you can't breathe. God's the one who gives you your breath. God's the one who gives you your, your, your dreaming nature. God's the one who gives you your creative nature. God's the one who gives you the ability to reason and think. So if He is that, if He is that, why aren't we depending upon Him in everything? Because we have a fallen world that's all about me, myself and Irene. It's a movie, by the way. Jesus, I love Jesus. Is you know, I hear people talking, live a balanced life. Well, who sets the balance? If Jesus sets the balance, this is balance. Yo, you want to be great in the kingdom? Be the greatest servant. This is Jesus' balance. You want to gain the world? Take up your cross and follow me. That's his view of balance. Oh, you know, I'm working hard. Awesome, so we all. But what are we going to use our thinking and our creativity and our talents for? For his glory. For his glory. People can cheer you and trust me, I, I know the cheer of man. I, I've preached 800,000 people. I know what it's like for, for people just to, let's get a selfie with you. That's a dumb thought anyway, selfie. It's a very unbiblical word. It's no longer a selfie that lives. <laughs> I'm not against getting a picture, but what I'm saying is, you know, we hear these things called, you know, we used to have this show called Australian Idol. God says, don't have any other idols. Now, I'm not worried about someone becoming famous and using that for the glory of God. I'm not saying that. But I'm understanding terminology creates how we live. <laughs> so my challenge to us is, what are we going to do with this dreaming nature and this ambitious... You know, kids don't wake up in the morning and you go, to, you know, what do you want to do with your life? Nothing. It's the... It's disappointments along the ways of life that stop people from being ambitious and dreaming. So we need to get rid of that stuff. What do you want to be when you're older? I want to be a fireman. I want to be a rock star. I want to be a sportsman. I want to be a nurse. My daughter, she's funny. I said, Amy, what do you want to be? She goes, I want to be a nurse. Because she cares for people. But she doesn't like blood. I said, but they have blood. Oh, no, I don't want to be a nurse. So I'll be a pastor. I'll nurse their spirits. Hmm. See, if we're going to, in 
this room, we have the potential to change the earth. People think getting out and doing a social media campaign is going to, oh, yes. I'm not against social media. We have four million followers on social media. So I'm not against it. But when it becomes the dominant thing, you know, you don't see people on social media put their bad days. Oh, it's a rubbish day today. I feel rubbish. No, they're there. When I take pictures of myself, I don't want mm, the fat side. I don't want... <laughs> Is there something going wrong there? Is that keyboard going funny? I'll just blame myself then. Ravi to catch. Um. <laughs> Are you worried it's going to fall? John, you come and save your guitar, man. Ravi. Did you see Ravi when he was a catcher and all those big Eastern European guys were there? I'm like, what are you doing? Imagine if one of them fell on him, he was like, a mere flesh wound. Um, that's Monty Python for anyone who wants to know. So would we just do this at the end of the conference? Would we say, God, I want to have godly ambition. I want to pursue you. I want your, my life to give you glory. I, I, I want to present my life as a living sacrifice because this is my reasonable service. And I know I've, I've been talking a little bit about this because I just believe we live in a very selfish world, very prideful world. And right now, everyone's opinion, there's so much disunity on the globe that there's not much humility. Why? Because there's selfish ambition instead of godly ambition. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to connect with Equippers Church, then please visit equippers.co.uk and say hello. And if you enjoyed today's message, you can subscribe and share it with a friend.